Yeah, and then and then that summer, a little movie we like to call Con Air came out. <laughs> Best movie ever. <laughs> Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. From our humble beginnings in Lake Jackson, Texas, Selena Quintanilla had risen to the top of the Tejano music scene. At 23 years old, she had several gold records, a budding acting career, and a clothing line sold in her own boutiques. There seemed to be nothing stopping Selena of becoming a household name across America. But first, who's your favorite villain in a movie set in Texas? Um, I'm I've been partial for a long time to um, John Voight's character in the movie Holes. Uh, his his name is Mister Sir, um, and probably my my favorite quote of his is when uh, he, he's talking to the boys at the the camp that are, he's forcing to go out and dig holes. Um, he says, you Girl Scouts want to hear a story? Once upon a time, there was a magical place where it never rained. The end. Well, Just well as his, a person. Uh, as, his, yeah. his acerbic uh, um, personality in, in that movie is, is wonderful. Yes. Well, as a person who shanghaied him in, into getting a picture and using that as my Christmas card one year, uh, I approve of that, put, that pick. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Uh, so my pick is going to be Raul Julia, who played Santa Anna in the 1986 movie 13 Days to Glory, which was my favorite movie about the Alamo, uh, not starring John Wayne. Uh, it had Alec Baldwin as uh, Travis and had uh, uh, Brian Keith as uh, as Davy Crockett. But the best part about it was was Raul Julia at the height of his Raul Julianess playing Santa Anna. Well, I think those are all fair choices uh they're all safe choices but i'm gonna go with the masterful performance by david carradine as raleigh wilkes gun smuggler and lone wolf mcquade and there's an epic fight where he's smoking a, he's wearing his uh, polyester hagar slacks no sands belt He's got the Sansa Belt slacks on and like a, a light peach uh, sweater vest. <laughs> like a, he's got some kind of like light peach sweater No, no, sweater no. It's on. like a light peach uh, V-neck sweater. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's a peach V-neck sweater. And uh, he, he engages in, uh, in, in hand-to-hand combat with uh, Chuck Norris, which and ends I think up... He's- with yeah. him with a machine gun and Chuck Norris like dodging the machine gun bullets, and then he gets in a bulldozer, and the other one gets in sort of a tank thing, and they go at it. And it's <laughs> it ends with just like a bunch of like kicks to the face, and it's yeah. exceptional. I think exceptional. I think he's also wearing uh like slip on half boots, right? Ah, uh, it's it's like it is the most. <laughs> It is the most seventies. No, it's it's the most insane movie to watch. Just because I mean, it's got robots. It's got like a a a little person in a helicopter. There's a weird video game sequence. There's computer (laughs) hacking. You've got uh, like a shootout with the Texas Ranger, and I mean, you've got every. They they bury him alive in his truck. You just got to watch this movie, Mm -hmm. and you got to see what a terrible bad guy he is. Right. exceptionally bad man he is 
So, and that was a long intro to something yeah. completely unrelated. Yes. And now for something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> In late 1994, EMI chairman Charles Koppelman decided Selena had reached her goals in the Spanish-speaking market and wanted to promote her as a crossover artist into English-language pop. Selena continued to tour, and EMI's faith in Selena's popularity was high enough that they hired Grammy Award-winning composers to work on songs for her new album. By the time Selena had another record-breaking concert, this time at the Houston Astrodome in February of 1995, they were already recording. Selena was also starting to make herself known in the movies, where she'd made a cameo appearance in the English language Don Juan DeMarco. Selena's family, the Quintanillas, didn't realize that trouble was brewing from an unexpected source. Yolanda Saldivar's influence in Selena's life was growing ever more pervasive. Saldivar started out merely as a fan of Selena's, starting the official Selena fan club. She quickly became good friends with the family and was brought on to manage Selena's boutiques in San Antonio and Corpus Christi. By the end of her first year in that role, she was also made the star's registered agent. Saldivar moved to San Antonio to be closer to her employer. By the end of 1994, the success of the Selena Etc. boutiques began to suffer, largely because of the constant turnover in staff. According to staffers, Saldivar often fired employees simply because she disliked them. Complaints to Selena herself were dismissed as the singer did not believe that Saldivar would let her personal opinions affect the business. Eventually, these complaints made it to Selena's father, and he took them very seriously. He warned Selena to be careful and that Saldivar might not be a good influence. Because of how distrustful he had been in the past, he had been against his daughter's relationship with her band's guitarist, and who ended up becoming her husband, Selena ignored her father's advice. The warning signs, though, continued to grow, and at the beginning of 1995, Selena's fashion designer, who was her cousin, and their clients all brought concerns about Saldivar's behavior and management abilities to Selena. The Dallas Morning News wrote that Yolanda's devotion bordered on obsession in an interview with, they did with Saldivar in 1995. The boutiques were not the only one of Selena's enterprises Salvador seemed to be mishandling. Abraham began receiving calls from fans saying they had paid for membership in the Selena fan club and received nothing in return. He began investigating and discovered that Salvador had embezzled more than $30,000 using forged checks from both the fan club and the boutiques. He called a meeting with Selena and Salvador on March 9th at their headquarters to confront the troublesome employee. He presented the information he had to Salvador and said that if she didn't provide evidence to disprove his accusations, he'd get the police involved. In a very Abraham move, he also banned Selena from seeing Salvador. In an equally Selena move, she ignored this ban. She felt like Salvador was essential to the success of her clothing line in Mexico and knew that she had financial information needed for tax purposes. She knew that Yolanda had... Um, papers that she would need to complete her uh, tax returns. Saldivar delayed turning over the bank statements and financial records that were demanded of her, claiming she'd been physically and sexually assaulted in Monterey, Mexico. Selena went with her to a medical clinic in Corpus Christi on March 31st to have her examined for the assault. She was given a brief physical, but not the full exam normally done in the aftermath of something so traumatic. 
she was told that she needed to go to San Antonio for the rape exam because she was a resident there and the assault occurred in Mexico, so Corpus Christi police did not have the jurisdiction to investigate. Later that morning, Selena confronted Saldivar in her hotel room and demanded the financial papers she needed. At 11.48 a.m., March 31st, 1995, Saldivar pulled a gun from her purse and aimed it right at her employer. When Selena tried to flee, Saldivar shot her, severing an artery in her lower right shoulder. Selena ran to the lobby, leaving a trail of blood with Saldivar chasing after her. Selena collapsed on the floor of the lobby as a clerk called 911. Before passing out, Selena told the clerk that Saldivar was the one who shot her and even gave him the room number where the shooting occurred. Saldivar fled in her truck but was spotted by a police cruiser responding to the incident. A nine-and-a-half-hour standoff with police and the FBI followed. News of Selena's death had already been made public by the time the standoff ended, and hundreds of fans had gathered at the scene, many of them weeping when Saldivar finally surrendered. Selena was unresponsive on arrival at the hospital, where the attending physician attempted to revive her. A cardiologist was brought in and performed surgery. They were able to establish an erratic heartbeat, but after 50 minutes of surgery, at 1.05 p.m., Selena was pronounced dead from blood loss and cardiac arrest. Due to overwhelming public demand, an autopsy was performed that same day. The bullet had entered Selena's upper right back, passed through her chest cavity, severed the subclavian artery, and exited her upper right chest. Tragically, if a millimeter higher or lower, it would have made the wound less severe and might not have been enough and might have been enough to save her life. On April 1st, a vigil was held at Bayfront Plaza in Corpus Christi, where 3,000 fans showed up. During that event, it was announced that Selena's casket would be available for public viewing the following day. There was almost a mile-long wait for viewing. An hour before the doors were set to open, rumors began circulating that the casket was empty. To quell the rumors, the Quintanillas decided at the last minute to make the viewing an open casket. Between 30 and 40,000 people passed through the line, and more than 78,000 signed a book of condolence. On April 3rd, 600 guests attended Selena's burial at Seaside Memorial Park in Corpus Christi. A Jehovah's Witness minister from her hometown in Lake Jackson preached a service in English, and hundreds of people circled the area in their vehicles. Corpus Christi and San Antonio radio stations broadcast the funeral live without the family's permission. A special mass was held the same day at the Los Angeles Sports Arena, which drew a crowd of 4,000. The media compared Selena's death to those of John Lennon, Elvis Presley, and even JFK. Major television networks interrupted their regular programming to report the news, and and Tom Brokaw on NBC Nightly News called her the Mexican Madonna. Her death was front-page news in the New York Times for two consecutive days. Numerous vigils and memorials were held in her honor, and many Tejano radio stations played her music nonstop. Reporting her life and murder had a significant impact on the magazine publishing industry. An issue of People magazine commemorating Selena sold out the entire first and second print runs within two weeks, selling almost a million copies and becoming the first collector's item issue. According to the editor, they had never had an issue completely sell out before. Due to that success, just months later, they began publishing People and Español, and several other companies started their own Spanish-language versions of magazines. Selena's dream of an English-language album was realized after her death. The crossover album she'd been working on, Dreaming of You, was released late in 1995 and became a huge hit. 
It proved she had the talent and popularity to be an English language star. Despite, or perhaps because of her obvious popularity, Selena was controversial even after her death. Two weeks after she died, Governor George W. Bush declared her birthday April 16th, Selena Day, saying that she represented, quote, the essence of South Texas culture. Letters were written to the editor of the Brazosport Facts during April and May questioning why Selena deserved to have a day in her honor. Some were offended that the day fell on Easter Sunday, and some said that, quote, Easter is more important than Selena Day. Others answered in support of the day and said that its detractors were just too critical. In October 1995, a Houston jury convicted Yolanda Saldivar of first-degree murder and gave her a sentence of life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. In 2002, at the order of a judge, the gun used to kill Selena was destroyed and the pieces were thrown into Corpus Christi Bay. Some fans and even historians protested the action, believing Selena's murder was a historical event and the gun should be placed in a museum. Salma Hayek was initially chosen to play Selena in a biopic produced by the Quintanillas and Warner Brothers in 1995. She declined, saying she felt it was too early for a movie about Selena, especially since the singer's death was still being covered in the media. Jennifer Lopez accepted the role instead, though there was criticism because Lopez was Puerto Rican rather than Mexican. Now, more than 21,000 people had auditioned for that role, making it the second largest audition in history. The film was released in 1997, and after seeing Lopez's performance, her critics changed their minds about her. It's often credited as Jennifer Lopez's breakout role. The movie was the second highest grossing debut the week it opened and went on to gross $35 million in the United States. Some of Selena's other honors after death include being inducted into the Billboard Latin Music Hall of Fame, Hard Rock Cafe's Hall of Fame, and the South Texas Music Hall of Fame in 1995. In 2001, she was inducted into the Tejano Music Hall of Fame, and in 2017, she received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame at the most attended unveiling ceremony in the walk's history. She's also had a bunch of uh, several live albums released from various concerts that were recorded, um, and she's had a number of compilations put together with with outtakes and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, she's still one of the top selling artists in Tejano music. I mean, there's her albums still sell quite regularly in uh, the Tejano uh, music scene. So still very, very popular. What a tragic story. What just like it's, it's one of the ultimate examples of like being like really right there on the top of the world. And then just all of a sudden, bam, it, it's done. It's one thing happens and it's over. This is why you should choose to work with people who aren't crazy, which is why I'm officially firing you from the podcast, Sean. Okay. I'm afraid you're going to <laughs> turn on me someday. No, I mean, it, it really is tragic. And, you know, it's... It, it's a horrible story. It, it's it, a horrible it's, end. It's one of those things you just can't believe happened. Yeah. And what's sad for me personally is that I... Honestly, you know, I didn't know who Selena was until um, all of this happened. Um, I can't say with any certainty that I had heard of Selena before I saw the news about her, you know, being killed. And then since then, I've learned more about her. I've been like, oh, wow, that's it's really impressive. Uh, you know, she's really talented. And it's a it's a real shame that uh, this happened before she really got that, you know, became that household name. You know, it, it, it's. It's frustrating and, and tragic that uh, she became a household name because of 
what happened to her rather than what uh, she was able to accomplish. Well, I think there was this thing that after it, certainly for those who are outside of the town of music, it was just like, oh, yeah, this girl died, and there was it was a big deal, but it was also kind of like, yeah, she, it was it was a tragic death, but then you would see like pictures of her and you see all these these memorials and things to her and i just think that uh the 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 scale of her fame is something that is it's interesting that somebody can be so famous and yet like like you said scott you were kind of unaware of just how big she was yeah i mean i, I think we can all remember you know especially driving around in dallas you would see cars that had her stencil on like the, you know, the back of the car, the back of the pickup truck window, like, or just, just, just her signature that, cause her signature is pretty distinctive and it was on some of her albums. Just seeing that on like as a sticker on cars was pretty, pretty prominent for quite a while. Uh, for many years, you would see those cars, you know, people driving those cars around. Um, I think the interesting thing, so there's a couple of things. There's one thing we didn't talk about here and, uh, this was such a huge story in 1995 when this happened. I mean, it was just a massive, massive, massive story. Um, but one of the things that we didn't talk about that's not mentioned here was, if we recall, Howard Stern on his radio show uh, disparaged her. Uh, he, you know, they're talking about the news, and you know, Robin read the news that Tejano Star Selena was died, and everybody was sad and. And he basically was like, who, who's who's that? Uh, nobody nobody listens to that music. Nobody cares. And the outcry was deafening. I mean, it was it was so huge that he nearly got he near he came closer to getting off coming off of the air because of that than anything else he had done. Yeah, he had to issue. I forgot an about that. Yeah, he had to issue a, an apology in Spanish, and he cho- he did he did an apology. I remember. Watching the video of him reading that apology in Spanish, uh, apologizing for for what he had said uh, for for disrespecting her. So, I mean, this is a this was such a big massive deal. Well, if, for those who want to know, she is so Yolanda Saldivar is still in prison, um, but she in March of 2025 she will be eligible for parole. And while that doesn't, while that seems a long time away. You know, these things seem to to zoom right by. The years zoom by. So, yeah. I here, here's the other thing I want to talk about is the is the movie because the movie was a big deal. I mean, it was mm. as we said, it grossed thirty five million dollars. Was a big hit uh, in nineteen ninety seven. Although it wasn't the biggest hit in ninety seven because obviously Titanic came out in nineteen ninety seven and that made like every, all the other money in the world. Um, <laughs> but um, the the interesting thing is that. Uh, I find it interesting that Jennifer Lopez got the role. Um, she does look a great deal like Selena. She, uh, Selena was young and beautiful, and and uh, Jennifer Lopez is young and beautiful at the time, around the same age. And what I find is interesting is that Jennifer Lopez became a very, very significant crossover pop artist who had hits on the on Spanish stations and on on English stations. In, in a sense, the role that she played in the movie translated into into like we said a breakthrough role and in a lot of ways i i there's there's always been a part of me that has wondered like could selena have gotten that level of success was that a spot that that she could have attained had she not been killed you know it's it's an interesting thing to think about yeah yeah and you know speaking of that that's 
you know, around that whole time. It's like, yeah, I remember remember the news when Selena was, was killed. Um, and then they, the overriding visual image I have of Selena isn't even Selena. It's the, the poster art for the, the Selena movie is yeah. what the first thing that pops into my mind. And um, so, yeah, that, that definitely um, was a huge jumping off point for uh, Jennifer Lopez was, was that film. Well, what yeah. what's crazy is uh, I I, went, I wanted to look up. So the the other film that had the number one number of auditions was actually for Scarlett O'Hara in Gone with the Wind in nineteen thirty nine. It's just amazing the depth of of what they went through to find the right the right person to tell the story. But again, I think the the passion she had for her music, I think the passion she had for all the things she was involved with. I think, you know, when you have an artist like that and for the fans and the people who want to create something in memorial like this, you just want to get it right. And her family is highly involved with the film and it's just, you know, again, it's so maybe watch that film sometime. Go back and see yeah. it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. It does have Edward James almost in it, too. Well, I'll watch him in anything. Does he play her father? Yes, he does. He plays Abraham. So say yeah, we all. It was very good. He was excellent. He was he was excellent. She's great in it too. She's Jennifer Lopez is fantastic in it. She's she, she certainly she certainly has a charisma. But if you if you go and you go watch that movie and you watch the you know the 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 the, the big sequence in the movie, I believe, is the Astrodome concert. Um, and you know, raise a pour out pour out pour out some pour out the glass for the Astrodome. You know. Gotta love, gotta love any any appearance of of our beloved Astrolab. But that's that's one of the climactic points of the movie is is her huge success at the sellout crowd at the Astrodome, uh, and Jennifer Lopez recreates that concert. But you go back and if you watch the video of the the original concert, it's you know Selena had that same charisma that that Jennifer Lopez. You know Jennifer Lopez was able to translate that into the film, but Selena had that charisma. She had that audience. In the in the palm of her hand for for that concert, uh, it it it's just pretty amazing uh, to go back and look at the original uh, the original work that Selena did the the actual Selena in her actual concerts. Um, I think that's something that people should do if they want to go on YouTube or go out on on some websites and go go look and see go listen to her music, watch her videos or films of her concerts because it's pretty amazing how charismatic she was. Well, <clears throat> no, so I think we're, we're pretty wrapped up. I just was like looking at what movies were released in March of 1997. What was in the theater at the time? You had uh, The Devil's Own came out like the week after. But the same the same week, March 21st, 97 is when Selena came out. Uh, Man in the Iron Mask has been out for a week. Liar Liar came out the same weekend. And David Cronenberg's Crash. Mm-hmm. Just to put it in context for what the hell we were watching when this movie came out, yeah. And then, and then that summer, a little movie we like to call Con Air came out. Best movie <laughs> ever. Yeah, and it made some money. It made some money, and then another little movie came out not long after that that made a lot of money. I know, but I was just looking at what are the March movies that came out, and I was just like, that was those were the big ones, though. So get out there, go listen to some Selena music. Maybe go watch the movie. Uh, and really understand that uh, Texas lost a great artist that day. 
That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or get to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I am Scotticus. A big shout out to our friend James Abendroth for helping to research and write this episode. You can find him on Twitter and Instagram at Blackguard Press and find his fiction work at blackguardpress.com. If you love this show, which you know you do, then do us a favor. Tell your friends all about Come and Take It, the Texas podcast, and leave a review on iTunes because that helps us out to find listeners just like you. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.